This is Look West, a podcast from California's Assembly Democrats. Last October, a series of wildfires ravaged California's wine country, burning hundreds of thousands of acres and changing the lives of countless people. With wildfires raging again, let's look back at the stories of those impacted a year later. At this point, we have four major fires running in a unit. We're going to evacuate all the way from Calistoga to Santa Rosa. It was probably the most devastating time that I have ever spent in my life. Evacuating our entire city was has never been uh, done before. So we, uh, with the incredible public safety folks we have, um, we were able to, at 3 a.m., um, start knocking on doors. My family was evacuated during the fires. And so I was at work, and I responded to what was my own house. It was devastating. It was just devastating to just see. It was so eerie. Hello, my name is Cecilia Aguiar-Curry, and this is Look West. I'm lucky to represent much of California's wine country. I love this district. It is absolutely phenomenal. California is the number one wine-producing state in the United States and the world's fourth largest winemaker. You know, this past year has been a tough year for us up here in the wine country, and in October of 2017, a series of devastating fires broke out in Napa, Sonoma, Lake, and Solano counties, threatening homes, families, and businesses, including our wineries. Today, I'm at the Calistoga Fire, Fire Department to talk with business owners and fire responders about rebuilding a year after the wildfires. Let me say first, I really appreciate what our first responders have done. It was probably the most devastating time that I have ever spent in my life, and I need to thank all of everybody that um, put their life on the line to do this. So this morning, first we have Kirsten Bjorkman, controller for the Robert Craig Winery. Thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity to come and speak with you today. Um, so I'm the controller of a small winery. We're uh, just under 10,000 cases, and we have property on Howe Mountain and um, Mount Veter, which is where the, the fire took place. We had just purchased that in 2016, so this was only our, going to be our second vintage off of this property. Oh. So as we were um, watching the, the, you know, the effects of that and you know you can go on the maps and you saw where the red was and it was right directly over where our we have a the vineyard and we have a, like three or four outbuildings there so we had just called the pick that day the day the fire started so all the equipment was up there all the you know the picking boxes all of that and um obviously no one could go on so we just sat there on pins and needles for the whole week mm-hmm. <laughs> until um, they did allow some um, uh, property owners to get a, a like a temporary permit to be able to go on property. So my winemaker and I went out there to just check it out, and it was it's just unbelievable what um, it was devastating. It was just devastating to just see. It was so eerie because there was no one up there. Obviously, it was all evacuated so we didn't know what to expect when we got in and what what did you see when you uh, uh, untraveled up the hill firefighters mm-hmm. um you know mostly and just just devastation mm-hmm. i mean it just looked like a war zone it was it was horrific and both steven and i were just like in awe it was um it was really tragic it was just 
when we got up to the property, we were shocked that this old house that had been built in like, I don't know, 1940s or something like that was still standing. Mm -hmm. It was, we had a house, we had an old barn that was, you know, practically a tinderbox. I mean, it, 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 the fire had gone right up to it. We had one outbuilding that was completely destroyed, some mobile equipment, which was nothing, but the, the vines and everything were all intact. And Stephen and I were walking through the vineyard, and we were, you know, picking grapes and tasting them. We were like, oh, these, you know, these taste fine, mm -hmm. whatever. It should be, should be okay. Meanwhile, we have a um, neighboring property that was completely destroyed. So um, when we were able to get back on the property to, to actually pick, we decided to pick, and we took the, um, the grapes up to the winery on Howe Mountain. Mm -hmm. um, Stephen said, <laughs> he, was, he was really shocked. He's like, as soon as the grapes got in there and they, got to, they started crushing, the whole winery smelled like a campfire. He said it was just amazing how the smell, you know, permeated. permeated yeah. Yes, permeated, yes. So we kept all those lots separate. Um, we kept trying them. I was up, uh, up at the winery in January after crush and, mm -hmm. you know, all of that, and I said, Stephen, I want to try these. You know, what does this what does this taste like? If you can imagine what what wine mixed with like burning plastic is what it is what it tasted like. It was incredible, awful. right? <laughs> yeah. right. Yes. And they attributed that to to that 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 property that our neighboring property that mm -hmm. was completely destroyed because we had kept that lot separate from another lot that was just near the brush. Mm -hmm. You know where trees and everything burned mm -hmm. and that tasted like like campfire more, you know mostly smoky, smoky where the other tasted like rubber and you know because if you imagine carpets have burned you know mattresses pillows all of that stuff so that's you tasted that in the in the wine so the smoke and the grapes all came to and you almost have a new uh brand <laughs> now <laughs> yeah. yeah i don't mean to be silly about it because it is it's amazing how what the smoke does we had uh, friends of ours that had a winery down in Ukiah years ago, and the mm -hmm. smoke went through, and you—it it was just destroyed. And the economic—the uh, uh, impact to you is—it's um, tough, and yeah. it's tough to bounce back because you don't know if the following year it's still going to have some of that, still that taste. Yeah. So how how are you, how do you assess the damage that um, has occurred up uh, up at the um, the property? Well, for one thing, it was you know mostly the the grapes, uh -huh. and we didn't have crop insurance. We do now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Learned that lesson. Yeah. Um, you know, we essentially lost an entire vintage mm -hmm. from Mount Beater. So, business opportunity wise, it's probably about a million dollars to us. A million dollars—that's quite a bit of money, and um, it's not easy. And, and particularly now that you have to get crop insurance, um, I don't have an idea. But is it? pricey to get crop insurance and do most wineries already uh, uh, have crop insurance? I think a lot of wineries already do. I I was mistaken. I thought it was expensive but yeah. the um, the federal government does help at a minimal level but it's it's very um, it's subsidized I guess as mm -hmm. part of the uh, farm bill. So. Great. Um, so tell me a little bit about the rebuilding and the recovery and what you're looking um, towards and um, How's that all going? <laughs> <laughs> well, fortunately, the buildings there were not, it wasn't anything that we needed to rebuild. Um, we did experience uh, extensive damage to all of the uh, water supply. We have a cistern that's gravity fed, and so all of the plastic PVC pipe and all of that was destroyed. So um, it was pretty much getting that back, in, you know, trees fell on our spring boxes and on the cistern, and, you know, that's been a mess. Mm -hmm. But um, 
we're we're up and running and things are are going pretty well um so have the fires changed the way the community around here is thinking now about fires yes and and i would say that the reason that the house and the that shed didn't go up is we had just you know cleared all the brush from around that and you could you could see right where the fire went up mm -hmm. to so especially on how mountain where we're at a very remote location we're very concerned mm -hmm. um a lot of trees and pg&e is out there right now doing a lot of work around the um the power lines right. you know clearing all of that out so yeah unfortunately these are the things that lessons learned correct mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um i'm really glad that you're back on your feet yeah. you're working hard and uh thank you so much for the interview today okay. thank you and this is look west now we're talking to to Chris Canning, Mayor of Calistoga at the Calistoga Fire Department. First of all, before we get started, I just want to say thank you for all you do for this northern area of Napa County. You do a fabulous job. Uh, everybody in the valley, valley knows who Chris is and really have a lot of respect for what you've done and what you did during the fires. And also is that as being, I was a former mayor as well, is I think a lot of people don't realize probably our number one job is really safety. Absolutely. Making sure the water's safe, to make sure that we have a, a safe fire department, police department, so on and so forth. So I think um, you did a really good job, and I want to commend you for what you did during the fires. Well, I appreciate that. We have a, an outstanding team here um, in Calistoga, and, and we don't have a good fire department for a small town. We don't have a good police department for a small town. We have a good fire department, a good police department, period, full stop. And I would put them up against any city anywhere. So the entire city of Calistoga was evacuated during the Tubbs fire when it broke out. Tell me about your thought process, what it took to do that, mm -hmm. and the challenges you had. So it's the first time in the city's history that the entire city was evacuated. And I've often been asked, was that a difficult decision to, to make? Um, and it wasn't because the decision was made for us. Mm -hmm. um, Cal Fire came in. It was Tuesday night. Fire started on Sunday, Tuesday night around 10.30 p.m., um, you know, at that point, we've had two days to witness its the fire's devastation, which unfortunately did start in Calistoga, but sweep through Sonoma County, Santa Rosa. Um, they deliver the, the message that you will be evacuated. Um, we sign a document. There's actually a form that you fill out, mm -hmm. uh, gets faxed away. 20 minutes later, the return comes, and now you're off and running. Uh, Cal Fire goes back out to do what they, what they do best, um, and the city pulls together an evacuation plan. Uh, the amusing thing is we have reams of binders telling us what to do in the event of an earthquake and how you handle that. But there, you know, the earth shakes and everybody's still here. Right. Um, evacuating our entire city was has never been uh, done before. So we, uh, with the incredible public safety folks we have, not just in our community, but from the county as well, um, we were able to, at 3 a.m., um, start knocking on doors and uh, splitting out the community in two halves and getting them out. Um, the fear was, based on all the forecasts from CAL FIRE and the position of the fire, it was going to blow back into Calistoga, um, or at the very least, we were going to get the ember shower. So, um, yeah, without the support of our own community and, and law enforcement and fire services, sheriff's department, the you know, uh, parole officers from County of Napa were up here literally knocking on every single door and getting people out. One of the things is that I think about where Calistoga is located, there's only a couple ways in and out of here. And I thought that was brilliant that you, they did have you evacuate. Um, because I can only imagine what the two roads coming in and out of Calistoga was actually more. But um, we already knew you couldn't go uh, 
westward very well because mm -hmm. of all the fires in Santa Rosa. But going up and down the valley, it made me very nervous to think bumper to bumper, people's um, feelings are right on the edge, uh, anger, upset, fire equipment's trying to get in and out the valley. I thought that was brilliant that you got them out as soon as you could. So we, Part of the attraction of Calistoga is our isolation. Mm -hmm. You know, it's clearly in a very beautiful part of the valley, beautiful part of California. Uh, the downside is there's only four roads in, mm -hmm. uh, in and out. Um, and that by the time we chose to evacuate, it was chosen to evacuate, um, two and a half of those roads were compromised. Mm -hmm. um, and understanding that the fires were pressing in on Napa County to the south of us, um, it was a wise choice to leave when we did uh, for the simple reason that if the next community was to evacuate, you would now have that, that traffic jam and people right. would be stuck. Um, right. So it was, uh, it was absolutely erring on the, on the side of caution and for all the right reasons. So as we talk about communication, you're saying as you went from door to door, um, in retrospect, how could we make that better? So we went door to door simultaneously at the stroke of 3 a.m. Uh, at the same time, we sent out a Nixle alert. Uh, it was on the radio, TV, um, every uh, th through our web page, our website, etc. Um, what you know, kind of debriefing after everything. One of the first things that we're implementing is going back to a siren system. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's funny because as technologically savvy as the world has become, uh, there's nothing more basic than kind of a siren alert. Mm -hmm. um, so we're in the process of working with a company to place sirens strategically through the community. We used to have one. Uh, we all it? did. Yeah, it was an we old, did, ours yeah. was an old war, it sat on this building, the firehouse here, yeah. it was an old World War II uh, surplus siren that we had. And then when we renovated this for a seismic retrofit, we never put it back up yeah. because, you know, you just call everyone. Right. Um, it's amazing the number of people that don't have landlines anymore that mm -hmm. you don't think of. Um, it's also fascinating the number of people who um, have cell phones, they had Nixle, but when they go to bed, they shut off their cell phone. Right. And our evacuation was middle of the night. So mm -hmm. uh, we're going back to a very basic siren system that will at least say, hey, something's going on. Let me turn on my cell phone. Let me turn on the radio. Um, so we'll ha hopefully have those implemented within the next couple of months. There'll be five of them throughout the community. Mm -hmm. We'll take care of uh, kind of our core jurisdiction, which is the city. But we're also placing them so that... Um, the greater community of Calistoga will be uh, impacted by that. We did have the option, which is funny, that these sirens could also project. So if I wanted to get on there and you know talk to the whole city at once, but that seemed a little too big brother for us, so we just stuck with the siren. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody no, needs to hear me. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the voice from on high. Yeah. <laughs> so do you have mainly a, fi a volunteer fire department here, or is it paid fire department? We have a paid fire department. Okay. We have uh, six full-time mm -hmm. um, that are funded and then we have a uh, paper call if something uh, gets larger than that um, but i also want to say uh, while there was a community-wide effort throughout the county and the state uh, to come help us out um, our best mutual aid ever is always our, our sister city to the south of us st helena they mm -hmm. were the first ones here to help out they stayed and did uh, community defense when we were evacuated uh, awaiting the ember shower mm -hmm. uh, and we do the same for them and as much as we like to joke and uh, joke around St. Helene like right. a sibling rivalry yeah. uh, it, it's a really strong uh, commitment to each other that we have. Um, so there's uh, many things we all learn um, what's your lesson learned and what do you what do you see uh, what do you see as um, going forward uh, with these fires? Uh, communication Absolutely. I mean, there is every member of our community that has a cell phone is now on Nixle. Mm -hmm. um, we're a uh, very uh, uh, multicultural community. We're 49% uh, Hispanic, 49% Anglo. 
all of our Nixels are now are in Spanish, not just through the Nixel system, which has its nuances yeah. when they do translations. Um, we're going to the Siren system. Um, but I think the biggest learning for all of us, um, you know, now we have a plan to evacuate. We know how to evacuate our entire city. Right. Um, if we had to, we could. Um, but it's how serious you need to take Mother Nature. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the breath of this fire, the devastation um, uh, was incredible that many have never seen before. And when it came time actually to evacuate, an, an important point to be made, um, at 3 a.m. when that, you know, the knuckles hit the door, uh, the vast majority of our community was literally had their bag ready, door open, and it was like they were looking for permission to leave because mm-hmm. we had had two days of watching what happened next door. Right. Um, and it's given us a, a new sense of understanding and, if you will, appreciation for what can happen. But Every morning I wake up and I hear of a new fire, and every time I get a Nixel, it, it makes you nervous because right. we've seen what it can do, and you know the forecasts for this year aren't very positive. So with that, is um, uh, we're doing some fire-related bills, mm-hmm. um, and we received some budget, and that we think we're um, going to be successful on some of these. So we have a bill, AB 1772, for grieving families so they, that during this process, during with uh, trying to figure out their insurance, Right now it's only for two years and you know many people don't have all their documents together you don't even know where you're gonna go am I gonna go live with a family if I gonna where am I gonna where am I gonna land where am I gonna put my roots can I come back and um, so we uh, put together a bill that we hope to get signed and basically it goes from two years of making insurance and extending it for three years so people have time to get on their feet who would have thought that trying to build a house right now would be so difficult because the price of um, product has gone up from wood to concrete uh, to rebar. That's gone sky high. Yeah. If and you can I, find the concrete. If you, and <laughs> if you can find a contractor to build it. Correct, yeah. So we've had instances in why this came to fruition is that up in Lake County, people are still without a home because they can't find a builder because builders are coming down to more populated areas so they can go from job yeah. to job, where in a sparsely area, rural area, it's more difficult to do so. Yeah. Um, the other one we're working on is expanding, um, doing long-term forestry management plans into reducing um, the fo- wildfire risks. Um, that bill is all about wild, uh, what do we use with some of the timber and stuff and is there other products that we can use. Um, we also received some budget. Um, we have some top pri- uh, priorities for the budget this year to the disasters with securing funds, um, helping the county, Napa County, when we had to, um, there was matching money that needed to be with all these counties on, on some of the, di- the disposal of waste. And so again, we did some budget um, ask for that and we were very successful with that. And then um, we're also, we worked on some health uh, healthcare uh, issues that we had. One of them was um, uh, some of the, um, uh, doctors, when they were moved out of the area or the hospitals went down over in Santa Rosa, um, some of the local doctors had to basically do pop-up doctors um, and do mobile units. And the units um, weren't going to be reimbursed because they weren't brick and mortar. So we're working on things like that. And um, I really appreciate your visit today. Thank you very much. Thank you for all what you've done for this area, and uh, keep up the good work. If I can do one local advocacy. Being you can a, do that. Thank you. Being a, a community that is surrounded uh, by forest, and it's what makes us beautiful, um, I can understand and appreciate why some decisions were made in the past for environmental impact, why you wouldn't do better forestry mm-hmm. management, controlled burns, right. timbering, wider roads, et cetera. Um, let's push that aside. Let's yeah 
let's work harder to uh, make some different decisions on that because uh, it's not just uh, the traditional environmentalists that have to live here. It's everyone that has to live here. Exactly. And I think we all saw what decades of uh, walking away from that kind of forestry mm -hmm. management has done. Uh, and we're continuing to see, see right. it happen. There is, has to be a happy balance or happy median somewhere in that. We are doing a concurrence uh, committee right now on fires, and they started yesterday, and that was one of the top things, is that awesome. um, uh, it's, a different, it's a different day now, and we have to look at um, our fire prevention a little bit differently, our forest management a little bit differently, and yes, there is climate change. And as a small-town mayor, I want to say we're very happy to have a previous small town mayor representing us at the state level because some of those other big boys and girls don't get it, they don't get it <laughs> it's yeah. very different it is different well thank you very much for the conversation today and i uh, i appreciate all that you've done thank you and stay in calistoga for lunch today spend some money <laughs> we probably will <laughs>
understandably overwhelmed. Right. There weren't enough firefighters for, for days and days. Mm -hmm. And so I had to plug myself in knowing that communication would be a problem. Uh, I set up my own communication network through my wife and one of our neighbors is a, a police officer mm -hmm. uh, with CHP contacts. So by, by using that group, I was able to get information about the fire, where it was coming, and present the needs of my little community, uh, water supply and, and many other issues that were going on to keep that community running mm -hmm. um, while, the, while everyone was evacuated. Uh, we had a, a little network of core people that handled the communication. I, got, I fed them information, they fed me information and uh, we were able to make it work. We have to get pretty creative about the communication, and I think most people just assume that all firemen or police have a one communication, and you just hook in and everybody can hear each other. Yes. But it's not necessarily true because our, the radios are different, the walkie-talkies are different. I mean, everything's a little bit different, and we're not on one system. Am I correct in saying that? You are correct. Uh, there are designated channels that are used throughout California, and in emergency situations, we can, we, um, every one of us has a radio that will have a, a general channel. Mm -hmm. um, but what happens is, in, for instance, in our instance, the local fire agencies and police were on their designated channels, which I didn't even know which ones they were. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't get that information. Uh, we can't rely on our cell phones. Uh, the, the mayor was just speaking about that, and it's, it's so true. You can't rely on them to give you a map because in an emergency situation, that yeah. cell tower may be gone. Right. And that's, you need to know what's going on in your community. You need to know the roads before the, ac the incident happens. Right. If you didn't have the wherewithal and the knowledge and you live where you live, do you think your, your community would have been safe? Um, no. There would have been uh, a loss of houses, you know, and once one house goes, the next one follows it pretty readily. So there was a, a large period of time when I was the only coordinator of fire activity in that community. And, but because I was there and the there was a few responding engines uh, from, from, far down in California, mm -hmm. since I knew the area, I was able to direct them to areas that I knew would be, they would be needed mm -hmm. in. That's key. Yes. Exactly. We're trained to seek out that local knowledge. Mm -hmm. uh, the farmer, the rancher, that's the person we want to talk to first right. because they know what's going on. Right. So um, in some instances, we had a couple of um, challenges. And one of the challenges was um, private firefighter companies came in that didn't have, didn't work with instant command. And um, I am fearful of that. I think we will take any resource that can do the job. But I, my concern is that um, the communication and making sure people understand that they're in the area, the private firefighters. We found this be there, there through uh, insurance companies might mm -hmm. have them or utility companies mm -hmm. might have those. Um, we're working on a bill actually is that to make sure the communication if a private firefighters are in the area that they need to work with the instant command so that we know they're in the area and that they are safe to go into another area as you know trees are going down uh, so on and so forth so that was one of the challenges that we had 
Um, we got complaints is that a fire truck just drove by me and they didn't even stop. Well, that's heart wrenching to me. And yes. so anyway, we're, we're working on uh, that particular bill and hoping that we can get some leverage to get that through because it's only fair that the community knows that who's in the area and who has been trained properly. Correct. That's the main one it for me. It is a concern. It's a, yeah, <laughs> it's a concern. Your perception is correct. <laughs> but it's yeah. true. I'm just really concerned about who's, who's there. Um, so now we talk about climate change. We talk about how the Earth's changing and whether you believe it or not. But it seems to me that that fireball that went through here um, really went quickly. What could we have done better? I've been studying that question for the last 20 years when I've, as I've seen the, uh, the weather changing. Um, I've noted it. Many of us are trained to watch the weather very carefully because it means our lives mm -hmm. out there. Right. And so when you do that and you see the changes year by year, you realize that there's a problem, and I don't know the answer. Mm -hmm. I know that we can do better at uh, cutting the bushes around our house, mm -hmm. but it seems like it goes further than that, mm -hmm. and I, d I don't have that answer. You know, we've seen, um, you know, since the fires, we, um, uh, Senator Dodd, myself, uh, Assemblymember Wood and Levine, we've spent a lot of time trying to figure out what could we have done better. Um, there's new technologies out there. Uh, they can do satellite, seeing which way the wind blows, trying to make sure we position firefighters in the right direction. But I just think that we need to start looking into some of the new technologies and spending the money. Yeah making sure we have more firefighters, making sure they have the best equipment that's needed. Um, so there's a lot of things like that, but I think we're, we have a new normal. We have a new normal. And we need to s address it instead of sitting back and thinking. There is one thing that I've been thinking of, because mm -hmm. on these big fires and this catastrophe that, ha catastrophe that happened mm -hmm. in October, a lot of equipment and personnel was held back due to over-control. We are used to California and these huge fires, and we, we have a massive military-like response to it. Mm -hmm. And that's good until it crosses a certain point like it did in, in that October. Mm -hmm. Single resources need to be able to come in and handle individual calls without being directed by a central agency. The central agency can't be built up that fast mm -hmm. in such an incident. Mm -hmm. And so there needs to be some leeway and some trust in individual engine companies that they can keep themselves safe mm -hmm. without being overseen by a central agency mm -hmm. that, that won't be ready for a day, a two days, mm -hmm. three days. Yeah. Thank you for that. That's a, that's a, a good point. Um, you know, we're working on, on trying to figure out all these things and figure out the new normal and how we're going to deal with it and what's the costs involved, but we have to have a plan. And um, I think we'll see that come out of some of the meetings that we're having currently. So I want to I want to say thank you very much to all of the first responders. Um, you have a very difficult job. Thank you so much. You're very welcome and thank you for what you do. I'm Assemblymember Cecilia Aguiar-Curry. Thank you so much for listening to Look West. Hi, I'm Cindy Baker and I'm a producer for the Look West podcast. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. You know, we talk about a lot of issues here on this show, from healthcare to the legacy of Chicano art to the Me Too movement, and so much more. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your favorite podcasts, rate us on iTunes, and we want to hear from you. 
LookWest is available on a variety of social media platforms, and our team is happy to continue to create a place where you can really get to know the people you've chosen to represent your community. Thanks for listening to LookWest.